Welcome to coffeeis.me podcast, where me means you, or more precisely, us. This is the show where your host, Valerian, without using any interrogation techniques, convinces coffee professionals to reveal their secrets to teach and inspire you to make better coffee and earn a few bucks on the side, if that's what you fancy. Let the show begin. Hello, everyone. Welcome to coffees.me podcast. I'm your host and thank to my guests, also your virtual business advisor, Valerian Rala. Hi, sorry for the delay with this podcast, but I was working on a new content for coffeecourses.com and I was also lining up our barista representing my Slovak business, Green Plantation, on the Slovak National Barista Championship. We compete every year and most of the times our baristas end up up to the second place. The sad thing about the Slovak National Championship is that so far the winners competed with foreign coffee brands and Slovakia was represented on the World Championship with a roastery from a different country. Personally, I feel that the barista champions from individual countries should represent the coffee culture in the given country. I wonder how American baristas would feel if their barista champion would compete on a World Barista Championship with a coffee from Canada, Holland or Bulgaria. Well, let me know, what do you think? Perhaps it is just me who is being a local product Nazi jerk. <laughs> so I just want to give a big shout out to Dominik Novak who will compete for Green Plantation on the Slovak National Barista Championship. If you feel so, send him some karma or pray for him if you are religious, we accept praise from any religion or just simply think of him when he competes. Back to this podcast, thank you for all your iTunes reviews. This morning I found 18. That's getting better, but still far away from my goal 50 reviews by end of this year. I also learned that the reviews I see when I open my iTunes are only from United States. If you review the podcast from other country, I will have to go and find you on the national iTunes page. And I will. Keep them coming, so we can have an amazing new year. Other cool news is that I'm going to open the coffees.me Facebook group for public comments. Let's discuss coffee business together. Make sure you will read the rules of the group before you post anything. My goal with the group is that we're going to grow and learn together and not spam each other. Okay, so in today's episode, I interview Daniel Smith from First Fruit Specialty Coffee. Daniel is from Australia and he's a former military guy. He will tell you how to start a business with almost zero dollars in your pocket. I love his story and I love his innovative ways of thinking out of the box. You will like this one. I found Daniel with his article, How You Can Make a Career Out of Coffee Roasting, published in the amazing uh, coffee blog Perfect Daily Grind. I'll add the link to the show notes so you can read it too. Well, let's begin. Hello, Daniel. Welcome in uh, coffees.me podcast. Hi, hi. I'm great. I hope you are also fine. I know it's very early. It's eight o'clock at your place. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's 3 p.m. here, so I'm a little bit more awake than you are. Yes, that's all right. I've had a coffee. <laughs> I had too many coffees today, but, you know, everything for this uh, interview. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell me, what's your coffee story? Uh, when did you discover coffee and when did you start to do coffee? Uh, yeah, um, I, oh, I've only been coffee for two and a half years around about. Um, I guess my, my journey to coffee was a, a little bit different. Um, I was actually in the army for eight years um, 
and kind of towards the the end I injured my back and I couldn't really continue to be a rifleman so they moved me into the um our battalion's quite famous and so it has like a like a pub or a cafe kind of thing attached to it um and so I got moved into there and just started working in there and kind of got all excited about it um after finding it for a little bit and I was just kind of I guess blown away by the complexity of coffee and how much you can go into it and I kind of figured that um you know people like the best people in the world are still trying to trying to improve how they do coffee so I guess it was kind of something that I couldn't really ever get bored of or sick of um and so I ended up doing all the the barista courses that the roasting company provided um and I think at one stage I was actually the the most qualified barista in the state for this certain roasting company just because they uh, were only new and I just kept on doing it and I was asking them to release the next one so I could jump on and get them. Mm. Um, and so I ended up discharging from the army and, and two days later I started work at a cafe in the city and eventually bought a coffee roaster and here I am. Well, you said you started as a barista, but the barista mm. is a totally different job as a coffee roaster. Mm. So yeah. you kind of did not enjoy the barista and a cafe lifestyle. That's why you moved on to be a roaster, or was there some other reason? Um, I think I I had already decided that I wanted to be a roaster before I was a barista, mm-hmm. um, and I kind of seen that I I really like uh, the army teaches you to to do your job and also the job above you, and so I you know I I felt that I kind of had to be a barista for at least a little while. Uh, to allow me to be a better roaster. Um, that was kind of how I like um, put it into my head. How, how did you learn to roast? Um, I did a roasting... Well, well actually, to go back one, I, I started roasting on a, um, a little popcorn popper that I'd kind of cut the top off and put a can on and um, was experimenting with. Um, maybe did that for a few months and then... I had a friend who owned one of those little uh, those little Baymore roasters, uh-huh. um, so he lent that to me, and I spent quite a long time roasting on that little thing, um, which was really fun. I think they those little things roast great coffee, and I ended up uh, I wasn't happy with the profiles that it automatically sets, and so I remembered during first crack, I'm trying to hold the door open a little bit to stop the temperature <laughs> from racing and stuff like that, um, and so then kind of eventually I. Um, went and did a, a roasting course with um, a roaster up in, up in Brisbane and, um, yeah, learned from there and kind of just kind of, you know, learned as I went, I guess. Did you research any websites before you bought the Air Popper and the Beemore, you know, just checking profiles and stuff, or did you just buy the roaster and follow the manual? Um, I I bought the, the popcorn popper. Just, I, I remember it seeing a... Um, a thread in a forum and I was like oh, all right okay let's have, let's give this a go and um the mate who actually had let me the pop uh the um the baymore um had done it himself in that way and so he come over and helped me modify it and get me started and then eventually yeah he let me he let me borrow the um the baymore cool i remember i i had a baymore when i moved to the united states from europe and uh, I remember the frustrations, what, what you have, that, you know, it's, it's, it had these automatical settings and sometimes they j- it just doesn't do what you want. So I was very often kind of just set it up on a max and press mm. the button like cool in order to stop the whole roasting process. It's, uh, yeah. 
But yeah. I think it's an amazing like home roster. I really loved it as a home roster. Yeah. But if you want to go a step further, it's probably, you know, it's not suitable for that. Mm. Yeah, I remember um, I, I thought I'd got it down pack and I um, I put it in the kitchen and I was roasting with it uh, and kind of turned my back and all of a sudden the house was full of smoke and it must have just powered through into second crack and <laughs> made like a, a crazy oily roast and the whole house was full of smoke. Mm, yum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So okay, so you uh, did the army. After that, you worked in a cafe. You mm-hmm. learned roast, and then you opened the first uh, first fruits coffee. That that's mm. your brand, right? Yes. So what was the motivator? Like what? I, I can, I'm trying to imagine a moment when you said, "Okay, it's now. Mm. Uh, now I'm going to do this." Do you remember what was the kind of a motivator? What was a kind of idea which uh, took you to take action? Um, I guess up and up until before I had um, I had left the army. I guess because I was getting interested in coffee, I was like, "Oh well, I'll, you know, my I want to open a cafe." Um, and I'd actually uh, I was at the parents' house, right, and I was uh, in the bath, and so I was watching this YouTube documentary, just laying in the bath, and it was kind of about a it was an old Starbucks documentary, mm-hmm. um, and it went through, you know, how Starbucks started and all those type of things. But then a portion of it went to Origin, um, and uh, I'd never really ever been exposed to that or, or knew about it. Um, and I kind of seen the the poverty that the farmers were living in, and I was really kind of like uh, moved by it. And so, like I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian myself, and also I'd, I'd been to a war zone, so I experienced um, people in poverty. And I was seeing these people in poverty, and I kind of was like, um, like I could help these people, and so that kind of was. I remember I, uh, it was kind of after that day where the um, the motivation went from opening a cafe to opening a coffee roastery. Mm-hmm. Cool, that's a great story. Uh, so you were motivated not only by business but by the fact that you wanted to help these people. Mm, yeah. I, the question which I often get. And uh, our listeners always ask me to ask the other roasters, how, how did you start? How much money did you put in and where did you get that money? Um, yeah, so I I only invested $2,000 into my business originally. Say it again. Um, uh, $2,000. Cool. Um, so I, when I was uh, on the Popcorn Popper in the Baymore, I, I had made friends with the green bean importer which was literally five minutes away from my house mm-hmm. um and so he had a, a 12 kilo probe that he was using in there and so um when i had done my roasting course uh that roaster was actually the the australasian distributor for probats and so i kind of had this relationship um there and so I, I didn't really have to invest much because i could use this guy's roaster um so essentially i was just buying coffee as I rocked up on the day and putting it into the bags that I already had. So it was really um, quite an easy way to start into it because it was kind of I could, you know, brace whenever I want um, and there wasn't just a huge investment that I had to put into it to start it off. This is an amazing tip, man. I love this. This is great. <laughs> so you just find that green coffee importer, you uh, convince them to use their roasters if they have mm. any. Yeah. It was it was it was very lucky, like um, him being so close to my house, and I just would kind of go through there, and I mentioned to him that I was doing this course, and I was like, 
you know, like I'd never seen his roaster on. And I was like, this this guy's got like a crazy expensive roaster and he's not using it. And I was like, you know, do you mind if I use it? And he's like, yeah, man, no worries. I'm like, oh, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I love stories like this. This is amazing. Well, uh, cool. I had a similar story when I bought my first ProBat. I bought it as a, as a corn dryer. I have a mm-hmm. tiny, tiny vineyard in Europe just, you know, for family. And uh, I wanted to make a little patio where you have like antique um, plows and things like this, you know. So I was looking for kind of antique agricultural equipment. Mm-hmm. And I got once a tip uh, that there is this dude who sells a corn dryer. I was like, I don't want a corn dryer, I want a plow. I said, no, no, just check it out, you know, it's pretty. I said, okay. So I go <laughs> to this house and there is this guy, you know, who has under, you know, kind of like a, a blanket or whatever you call it, this plastic blanket, he has these a machine he opens it and there it is a probot lg3 which is a small probot from 1938 mm. and um it was like visually it was very good shape so i was like whoa this is cool you know and i was like okay how much you want for a corn dryer so he said at that time we used solar crowns which i think he said like ten thousand crowns which was like three hundred dollars Mm. And he said, I'm not going under that. I said, oh, no, you don't have to because I'm buying it right away. So <laughs> so I, that's how I started to roast you know, on a corn dryer. <laughs> cool. So uh, that's a great way to start to roast, to find somebody who, who can help you with this. And I'm just mm. curious, uh, so how did your first month look like uh, when it comes to income? Uh, yeah, I not very good. Like I had, uh, I kind of... I worry about um, my product and, and I don't like to release anything unless it's perfect. And so essentially the, fo- the first month I, I'd lost a bit because I didn't really want to give out any of this coffee that I was still kind of learning with, like because I learned on a one kilo probat and then jumped into a 12 kilo that I was trying to run at 50% capacity. Um, and so it, it, it just wasn't what I wanted it to, to be like, so I ended up wasting a lot of coffee. I guess in that first month as I was learning how to do it. Okay. After that? Um, yeah, after that it picked up because really, you know, I was I was I was buying stuff on the spot and selling it for more in the following week. So it, like it was always gonna um continue to, you know, to grow. Um but I guess at the same time I was kind of um I was quite excited about coffee, so I ended up buying probably every filter device that there is available and, and figuring out how to use it. So I guess, you know, profits went skyrocketing because I was spending a lot on, on different different toys to play with. Oh, this story is typical for all coffee roasting businesses. So <laughs> it's, that's what we do. We in, in my solar company, we have like five roasters now, and I said we have to stop buying roasters. <laughs> that's enough. You know, we have to yeah. we have to get rid of them. This is business. This is not a playground. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So when do you think was the moment when you can say that you earned enough money that you can sustain your family, your lifestyle? Um. Oh. I guess I guess it takes you know a year and a half for a business to kind of get off the ground and that's kind of very similar for me. Um I think still at the moment it's it's not something that's absolutely you know bringing in a lot of uh, uh, a massive amount of turnover just because a lot of my um accounts at the moment are contract roasting so I'm selling a lot of coffee for you know a cheaper price. Um but I think that if if 
looking back on it now, if I had done different things like trying to get into cafes and and probably not holding back that product in the initial stages, I think that um, oh, I really think around the 12 months mark, I could have left my barista job and stepped straight into the, the roastery as like a full-time type of job. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you said that uh, you had this set up with, the, with uh, I mean, this agreement with a green coffee importer. Mm-hmm. How did you sell it? What, what were your main channels where you sold your coffee? Oh, to be honest, it was it was friends and family. Um, I'd, I I would roast, you know, a 12 kilo batch and kind of be like, fuck it, I have so much coffee, like how am I going to get rid of all this? Um, and I just would would take it around with me as I would just go to different places. Like I think even still I always have... Um, two small bags of coffee in my bag and so usually you meet somebody and you start talking about coffee and they go oh like can can I buy some and you go yeah of course like here's some right here you know and so that that seemed to be how like at least for like the first like six months that's how I was selling most of my coffee what other channels you use now sales channels Um, sorry sales channels so I do have online um a store which which isn't massively successful. I think I, I kind of uh, put the price a bit high because um, I wasn't in the, um, I didn't have the ability to be able to, to manage online sales as well as the other accounts that are doing. So I almost set it up in that way um, just so I didn't have to deal with it for the time being. But it still has been good, um, you know, because the, uh, the price is a bit more expensive. So the margins are quite nice in the online sales. Um, most of yeah, like I said earlier, most of them of what I'm doing is contract roasting. So I've um, gone to coffee events and met people and and talked to people who are, are wanting to become roasters and you know can't afford the initial lot of money that it takes to buy a roaster. Um, so I've offered to roast for them, and that's kind of um, where I've seen the majority of of my business at the moment. Isn't that uh, kind of I mean, I'm curious about this because um, it's very popular also in United States now that some companies that use their roasters by, you know, other companies or they roast, you know, for other companies. Uh, isn't that kind of dangerous for your brand? Um, I guess yes and no. It it allows me to sell a lot of a lot of coffee without having to worry about my brand recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I don't. I, I see it as it's not driving my brand forward, but it's also not damaging it at all. It's allowing me to to get a turnover because I'm still, I'm still you know learning, and so I can get all these processes down packed and sell the coffee to people without you know damaging yeah my my own company and my own brand reputation. <laughs> You're damaging theirs if you make a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the coffee is good, but you know how they serve it is, is if they're going to damage themselves because it's not, you know, like I, I I'm I'm really strong on training, and so it's um it, it's it's not usually the the like if the roast is good, the barista can ruin the coffee, and so like I'm I'm kind of really um I guess strict on the baristas. I uh, actually the the Lazy Dog Cafe in um. In Brisbane, the the place that I worked at after the army, they ended up using my coffee, um, and so the baristas there, I'm really strict on and and, and make them do it all, um, I guess, kind of too um, strictly. Um, but I think that it's really important, and so I kind of worry, I guess, about um, 
the other cafes trying to serve my coffee and not being able to impose that strictness on them because I don't have that relationship. But then at the same time, I can sell coffee to the to the contracts um, and they can kind of do whatever they want with it, you know. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, th- this was always my worry and still is when we sell coffee to, we don't have our own cafe in Europe and uh, we sell to other cafes and some of them are great. We work together. And as you said, we train their baristas. They actually sometimes so good that they start to train us as baristas. So they really develop very fast and they are great. But some, you know, you just know that there's an issue with the coffee and you cannot say, I'm not going to sell you because that sounds, you know, that you're a jerk. And But on the other hand, I don't know. Um, I have the same issue with that. But talking about uh, your uh, first wholesale customer, I mean that 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 restaurant was your first wholesale restaurant. Is that correct? Mm, yes. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any other ones? No, not 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 cafes yet. Um, we've just moved from Brisbane to the Gold Coast, so we've just set up in the last month. Um, so now is the point where we're going to start going out and trying to achieve that. So you basically convinced them because they were your friends and former employees. Yeah, pretty much. And so I'd always, um, you know, as I was roasting, I'd bring some in and be like, you know, what do you think of this? Like, do you like it? Um, and so over time, they were like, yeah, this is this is this is great. I think this is the direction that we want to go. And they were using a, um, a quite a commercial roaster before that, which was quite dark and and really, you know, dull. And I was like, look, I can I can bring that full body flavor, but make it taste like chocolate, not like roast. And so that that kind of, I guess, they were excited about it and happy to change. What do you think uh, is the biggest mistakes you did so far and other roasters should avoid? Um, biggest mistakes, I guess. I make mistakes way too often. Um, Everybody does. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like... Uh, I guess uh, I get I get quite excited about when I see new coffee and and kind of spend a little too much on on green coffee at times, um, but I guess one of the one of the um the biggest uh, kind of nightmares I guess was with, with this first cafe that um, I'd organised a um, the other roaster to come and remove their machine and I was um, gonna put you know, the new one in at the close of day so that it would just, you know, the old one would come out, the new one would go in and they'd be cracking on the next day for their day's trade. Um, and so around, I was actually at the roastery at the time and I was doing a roast. Um, and so I get this way too casual email saying that, um, the, they're not going to be able to install the machine today. Um, there's been a shipment problem. Um, and I was like, Oh crap. And so I called up the, the cafe and I'm like, have they, have they taken, like, have they taken the machine out yet? And they're like, yeah, it's gone. I was like, oh, no. And so I'm I'm, I'm on the phone to this guy and uh, probably a bit too much heated words kind of were exchanged and he ended up sorting out like a, a temporary solution for me. Um, but I guess at the time when I was roasting, I must have had my hand on the gas dial and I looked at like the data afterwards and it looked like a heartbeat where I was holding the gas dial and kind of yelling into the phone and the gas must have been going up and down. And so I was like, oh, no, 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 I've lost the whole batch as well. Um, so I guess I guess the the mistake in that is the is the stress. Um, I've learned to to not 
I guess I have a tendency to kind of over stress about things, but I think that business is um, something where nothing really ever goes to plan. And so uh, to be a good businessman, you need to be able to adapt to all these changes that always kind of occur. Yeah, I love this story. This is this is good. Uh, I, I'm sometimes catch myself to do the same, but uh, yeah, it's it's very organic uh, the mm. business. Uh, do you use any any marketing channels recently which work very well, and perhaps other roasters can benefit from them? Yeah. Um. So I've been I had been experimenting with um uh, Facebook advertising and those type of things, which I've yes, which I've found. And pretty successful for you know brand recognition and those type of things um like even when i was quite small after doing these uh adver- advertisements i would kind of meet people and they would go oh, i've heard of first fruits and i'm like oh really <laughs> like you know i've just started like how do you know and they would refer to it um i've also just been experimenting with instagram i think that um I almost think that Instagram may even be like as important, if not more, um, for now because it's the type of thing where you know you can you can really it's so visual and everybody loves to see that, and you can you can build a, a marketing audience for free. You know, it's just the time you put into it, and once you have them, they're there and they'll always see your posts and you know look at what you're doing and you know hopefully come and buy coffee, which is which will be a great thing. Yeah, these are both very, very strong marketing advices. I use Facebook because in the United States, I work with uh, online education for coffee roasters. Mm-hmm. And we use a lot Facebook. And it's it's really amazing what you can do with Facebook from video advertisement to, um, to regular advertisement, just targeting the ad very precisely. So you, A, don't annoy people who are not interested in that, and mm-hmm. B, you don't spend money on those people, obviously, because you don't want, right? <laughs> so that really works well. And I agree on you on Instagram, but Instagram, you know, uh, has giant future, I think, and it's just mm. starting. So yeah. if you are serious about your online marketing, I would hop on right now and start to collect Instagram uh, followers as soon as possible. Not with a cheat, because that cheaty ways, you know, that these apps you yeah. can download, that's crap. That's just yeah. forget about that. But um, you, uh, you want to build an audience, and so you don't want your audience to be a robot. Like it needs to be organic, doesn't it? Exactly. It has to be people who you want to work with who are going to buy your coffee, not just random, you know, like uh, guys in, you know, totally different regions and uh, non existent and, as you said, robots, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, in my company, the European one, uh, Green Plantation, we we started to take Instagram seriously this year. We actually hired an artist who is doing um, like just coffee pictures. You know, she's totally free to do whatever she wants. She, you know, she's uh, like uh, we never tell her that. You know, now today you have to draw this or that. She's free to do whatever she wants, but she always has to incorporate our logo somewhere. And it can be even hidden. You know, it actually it's even better when it's on just on a tiny cup. You know, or something yeah. like that. And we play with that, and it's pretty awesome. We also started a big co- uh, contest, and it's just we're having fun. We're having a lot of fun with Instagram, and you know we hope that once the advertisement will be allowed, it will be very cheap because nobody will use it only us, right? Mm. So mm. I mean, yeah, I have a big hopes for <laughs> for Instagram. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, cool. All right, uh, this is my favorite topic, by the way, the online marketing. <laughs> 
so I, oh, can, yeah, I can go <laughs> on. <laughs> but I guess uh, I don't want to make other people fall asleep. So <laughs> let, yeah. let's move on to coffee topics. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk to you about your roaster. So do you own your roaster now, or is it still the same probat uh, what this coffee uh, importer has? Uh, yeah, I, I, I own my own um, five kilo roaster that I had bought um, secondhand off a, a guy I actually found on Gumtree. Oh, what what is it? Um, so it's five kilo, five kilo uh, generation one. Probat. Yes. Oh, cool, nice. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so very, you are very loyal to Probat. Yeah, yeah. I think I just think they're fantastic. Hey, like they're. Um, just the, like the cast iron, it just holds the heat and the burning capacity. It just, you know, it's fantastic. Cool. You you said that you found it used. Uh, did you do any deal, good deal on that? or? Um, yeah, so essentially I, I picked it up. Like this guy had had it for around five years. Um, and so he had, he was quite wealthy and, and he, he, I think he had owned a cafe and he was like, well, I want to roast for my own cafe. So he actually flew to Germany and imported it himself, um, which is just crazy. Right? Yeah. So he bought this five kilo and a one kilo like five years ago. Um, and so I was like, oh, okay. And I, and I seen it and kind of had a look at it when I had a roast on it and I looked at the hours and it only had done like 300 hours. And I was like, whoa, like this is, you know, it's practically new. Um, and so I ended up picking it up for probably around 20% cheaper than I could have bought a, a brand new one. Um, and so the difference is that, you know, I'm using the older roasting software, which is, is really you know, very similar and, and really quite good. Um, the only problem is it has to, has to be run on windows Vista. So I've got an old kind of laptop computer in my roastery, which is running the software. Uh, did you, uh, did you roast on something else before or did you roast only on the Probat? Yeah, just just on the probat. So I've had a, I've had a bit of a play around on like a Hasgrani and stuff like that. Oh, okay. How do you like Hasgrani? Um, I think uh, I I was talking to a to a roaster that had recently changed companies, and he went from a five kilo probat to a fifteen kilo Hasgrani. Um, and he, he seemed to be struggling with it for the first little while, um, because he was just approaching his roast the same as you would on a probat. Um, and so Hasgarani's, you know, it doesn't have the big cast iron um, mm. plate on the front of it. And so he, he would he would drop his heat for first crack and then the the roast would stall and he was kind of getting all upset and his development was really terrible. It had this real kind of funny taste coming through in the coffee. Um, but as soon as he kind of realized that he couldn't apply all those methods, he kind of changed how he was roasting and he's actually getting quite good coffee now, like really good development and, and a really nice tasting product. Cool. We we do use Turkish roasters. Um, we I have that three kilo uh, probat which my dad is using, uh, so it's not in our company now. But mm. we have two garant not has grantees but guarantees. Okay. And yeah, they are Turkish, you know, and um, it's they are what they are. They're very cheap. <laughs> yeah, and I, they, I think I I had a look at um, uh, they, I think they've just started to release like the newer models. And so I, I had I knew a roaster on the Gold Coast who was using the older model, and he was saying that he had to let the roaster cool to like thirty degrees in between roasts, um, and even you had a look at the roast and you could see the paint running. And I, I was kind of like, well, I'm not even going to bother getting one of those. Like that's oh, just ridiculous. Did you say paint running? Yeah. So the it, it had gotten so like he must have not let it drop 
to that temperature before re-roasting and so that you know it heated too much and the paint had started to to run like there was kind of like a drip of paint and i was like well like stuff that um but apparently the newer ones are, are quite a lot better where you don't have to let them to drop to that thing and i think you've even got a function where you can you can actually roast remotely or something like that over the internet Mm. Um, that that yeah. must be fascinating that you don't have to go to your uh, roastery to roast. I don't know who wants to do that. But... <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, it's there if you want it. Yeah, <laughs> it happened to us, by the way. Uh, I, I don't think the guys will be happy that I mentioned this. Uh, that the Granty guys that the paint started to melt, mm. and they said we're roasting badly, which is like, hmm, okay. <laughs> it's like how can you roast badly? It's so badly that the uh, paint melts. But they changed it. They exchanged it. They. I have to say that they uh, we had no issues with uh, the service or or the support we got. So, yeah. and now we are happy with our new uh, fifteen kilo one. But we also got uh, recently we got uh, UG twenty two. Okay, yeah, great. So we are renovating it because you know it just takes some time and uh, it was in a horrible shape. But hey, we got it for four thousand euros. Nice, <laughs> we that's can't, fantastic. We yeah. can't complain. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you use any? Um, Sample roaster? Um, I don't. I don't own any. Um, the the Bean Green importer in in Brisbane had the uh, little Probat sample roasters, like the stack of three, I think it was. So I've used those once or twice, um, which have been good. I've also used the uh, the the ProStar electric ones, um, mm. and I I thought that they were really quite good for what they were. Um, I kind of stuffed the first one because I didn't account. I just would, you know, it was applying the same method as I was used, like a different roaster, like a gas-powered one, and ended up stalling it and taking like 20 minutes or something to do the roast and had to scrap it and go again. Um, but I think it's quite good for what it is. They're actually using them in the in uh, some roasting competitions that we're having over here. Um, they've been getting some really good results from them. Cool, that's good to hear. I, I'm not a big fan of electric ones. I, I want my yeah. gas, you know. Even when yeah, cooking, yeah, I want same. my gas. <laughs> um, so you said you don't have a, a sample roaster. So how how do you select your uh, your uh, portfolio, your coffee portfolio? Um, so I essentially have a, a, a group of um, green bean suppliers that I, I really quite trust. Um, and so they send me roast samples. Um and kind of go through that and and uh, I find a lot of the time that when I even cup them and taste them that the the cupping notes that they've released have really been spot on so sometimes I don't even need to to cup them and stuff like that I just will buy them straight off okay. off what they've they've um graded them at mm. is there any coffee which is a uh, like uh what do you call them the the shelf breaker or basically the people love it and buy they can get enough of it Oh, I guess I found that with with my main blend that um, even though I I I really enjoy roasting you know light um light medium type of coffee I found that people just really want that coffee that's just before second crack and really chocolatey and really full bodied um and I think that as much as I'd like to change that to giving people a a massive kind of fruit bomb I, I just don't see that going to be the majority so i think i'll always sell that's why i've called it the crowd please you know i think that that i'll always sell more of that coffee than than anything else uh, interesting what you said uh we we have one blend we call it basic barista it's a very simple sweet uh it's light roasted espresso but it's it's brazil so it's very it's a uh, it's a natural brazil so it's very sweet you know 
mm. and we sometimes add another Brazil just to kind of like you know spice it up a little bit. Yep. So and we just you know we we, we are selling a lot of single origins, you know, very nice lots, and then we were looking at the results, the six month results from 2015, and mm. we were shocked how that basic barista like overdid all of them like oh really yeah and i was like hey we are not into blends you know so may- maybe <laughs> maybe blends are coming back and maybe people you know do want because everybody who does single origins they kind of like not really despite blends but you know we don't do blends too much we want to do those single origin stories right but yeah. then you look at your results and you go like oh wait <laughs> yeah they're okay you know they do well <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i also think there was also almost like a um, a thing against blends where maybe the the story was that that people were thinking that all the the coffee in blends were quite you know a lower quality than the single origins um but like uh, all the coffee that I put in my blends can stand out on their own as single origins, but I've kind of mixed them together to make something you know fantastic um trying to i guess uh get rid of that stereotype that some people may have given it yeah, I think that uh the past know 30 40 years gave blends bad name because you were right i mean they were developing blends to mask you know weird flavors and uh, put low price tags on them but nowadays we do create amazing blends you know just you put two good signal origins together and they create you something even better so yeah i think the blends do have future Mm. and uh, the sales prove it (laughs) yeah do you use different Roast profiles. So, how do you approach the coffee? How do you decide about the roast profiles? How are you going to roast them? Um, I, I guess I'm gonna approach it um, like a per, you know, I'm gonna look at the notes and I'm gonna find what what flavors it it has in there and I'm gonna try and roast it to suit that. So, if uh, I kind of I associate um, acidity with fruit, and so if I have a coffee that displays you know, I had this um, Costa Rican black honey, and so it was a huge amount of fruit coming through. And so I would roast that with a with a higher acidity, like a less development time, a faster roast to try and highlight that fruit that was coming through. Um, so I guess when I'm when I'm first looking at what I'm going to do with it, I'll, I'll already have that in mind. Mm-hmm. And so the same in the other direction, where you have you know like a, a Colombian Suprema or something like that, which is you know, it's your, it's your earthy type of coffee, so I would, I would roast that with a little bit more body to try and highlight those, you know, those nutty, caramel, chocolatey type of flavors. Do you have any great book, movie, or internet resource which can uh, help other roasters to grow either in a coffee scene or the business scene? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm, I have, yeah, quite a lot of, I've, I get that question quite a bit, hey, and so people are like, oh, I'm, I'm interested in coffee, you know, like what, what can I read? Can I read something? Um, and so I, I found that the, um, the Scott Rayo books have just been like invaluable to me. And I even constantly refer to them all the time, um, and lend them out to people. And, you know, I have friends that own like a cafe and they've just read through all three of them that I've kind of given to them. Mm -hmm. So I think that as a first, I would definitely go to that. Um, I guess, uh, James Hoffman also has a great website called Jim Seven, which I've, which is more, I guess, kind of flavor of the day type of articles. Um, but I like it because they're normally always short and sweet, so you can just read them in five minutes, and then 
like your sweet to continue on your day. Um, there's also a, a, a famous Australian barista called Matt Perger, and he's writing a, a blog called um, The Barista Hustle, which is essentially, you know, nothing to do with roasting, but how to be a well, a little bit to do with roasting, but more how to be a great barista. And he focuses a lot on extraction and like a lot of depth that if you don't already have some coffee knowledge behind you, this you just get lost in this. But um, yeah, I found that applying some of these principles kind of not necessarily changed how I do things, but kind of helped me to understand why I'm doing these things that I'm doing. Um, yeah, I think they've been great. Cool, thanks. I mean, I'll put the links into the show notes so people can uh, check these out. I, I love Scott Rowe's books, although the roasting is... Uh, hmm, there are some things which I disagree, but that's yeah, that's same, cool. So I, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I think I do as well. I I, I try to approach um, these type of things where um, I, I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing, but if you know that looks like it's great, I'm going to add that you know that learning style, that roasting style to what I do. Um, so I normally kind of pick parts which I think can highlight what I'm doing rather than trying to copy what other people do. Um, but yeah, so I definitely say I wouldn't, I wouldn't agree with him a hundred percent, but it's, it's definitely been a great help. Oh my gosh. This, this is excellent stuff. What you just said. Uh, <laughs> it's very important that exactly we, we, we should get motivated by these things, but not take them as granted and hmm. work on our own. And because this is how we go ahead, right? As human, as human species that we always think new things based on our past, right? And that's mm. what takes us ahead and not just copy and uh, take everything for granted. I mean, that's what the best innovators do. Uh, they don't copy, they just take it as a, as a, as a motivation, inspiration. Mm. That's the right word, inspiration. It's it's really important to to be unique and to, to have your own way of doing things with, with the help from other people. Um, the last thing you want is, you know, 400 Scott Rayo roasters roasting around the world. Like it's, it's like, it's just going to be the same. You know, everyone's it's going to blend into one. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. If you would have $10,000 today and you don't have your company, you know, you just, you're just free. Yeah. Uh, you would have $10,000 to start your coffee business. What would you do? And how do you see your startup to grow in the next, let's say five years? Mm, okay. Big question. Um, I don't give small questions. I just give big questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I, I I recently wrote an article for the Perfect Daily Grind and I kind of talked about um, the way I did it, which was, you know, do a course, use somebody else's roaster. But also in that, I kind of touched on um, something that I found other roasters have also done. So I guess I would, I, I, I kind of love the way that I've done it, but I, I would like to see how that, that kind of channel worked. I'd like to um, uh, approach a roast at a contract roast for me, um, and I guess I would uh, from there try and get my coffee into as many places as I could before buying my own roaster um, to go down that way. And I think, I, I think, I guess for me it might be a little bit less fun because I don't get to be hands on with the roasting. But at the same time, I think that the the business would develop faster because it's going to allow you to not, um, it, it'll, it'll free you up to not be working for your business, but working on it. Um, so I guess I would try to go down that, that path and see what, how, like how successful it would be. Um, 
and I guess in that I would try and spend, you know, like continue on with the Facebook advertising and those type of things. And probably, um, probably what I lack at the moment is, is my packaging where I, I kind of spend a lot on the, the green bean that my packaging is essentially just a sticker that gets stuck on the bag. And I'd probably try and, you know, I guess people do like fancy packaging, you know, like if, if, you know, you walk into a bottle shop, people look at the labels on the wine bottles and pick the wine based on that, that, that like packaging is so visual and so important. I'd probably try and, um, put some money in towards that. And I think that, uh, I really think that in, in those five years, you, you could have quite a successful roastery with, you know, your own roaster starting up supplying to quite a few different people. Yeah. I, I love what you said about, uh, focusing on the business aspect. Because most of us who start uh, coffee roasting companies are passionate roasters, maybe mm. home roasters, maybe just love to play with uh, roasters. And uh, when we start business, we always think about, oh, I'm going to roast coffee. And that, that's not the same. You know, roasting coffee mm. is roasting coffee. Making business and creating a, a, a business is totally different. Just two different things. And uh, while... It's fun to roast. Maybe for some people, it's not so much fun to uh, make business. Mm. So I, I, I think that's very important what you just said there. Yeah, um, and yeah. I think I think that that business, um, you know, co- coffee roasting, I think, is so complex and exciting. But I think that that business can be that as well if you just kind of adjust your attitude towards it. Like, because because really, I would I would love to just be roasting and, and making coffee all day, but that's that's not you know, you, you will go under, like you gotta have people to sell it to. Um, and so I think that looking into business, like I've really enjoyed learning Instagram and learning Facebook and learning how business works. I even, um, went and did a small business course. I think that it, it can have that type of depth and complexity that you enjoy in the roasting side. You can apply to the business side and, um, you know, hopefully drive it forward. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, I'm lucky that way because I love to roast. I love to develop new products and I love the marketing aspects of the whole business. And also, like, like you know, I, I love to st- learn new things. So for me, the whole business experience was a little bit new. I did some businesses before, but, you know, I never tried to, you know, do anything serious. So this is more serious. So I love to read books, listen to podcasts, you know, just, just grow, you know, with the information. So I, I, I do enjoy it. But on the other hand, I had a venture when I started. In 2000, uh, what was 2001, I opened a cafe called Cafe Barista, <laughs> still, in, still in, living in Europe. Yeah. And I hated that. I have to say, I really, that was like, you know, I was hating every moment of it because I was going to make coffee. I, I, that's what I thought I'm going to do. But instead of that, I was making sure that uh, the coffee runs properly. I was making sure that uh, the baristas come in on time. I was the bad guy who was had to scold them and stuff like that, which I never did before. You know, it's like, I, mm. I didn't do human management, you know, and I, and I did yeah. not enjoy that. I'm the, I'm a friendly guy. I don't want to, you know, be the strict boss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, I didn't enjoy it then. And I, I would never open a, a cafe again. It's just not for me, you know, but mm. the combination of roasting, creating new products, you know, with coffee and the business and marketing, I, yeah, I, I do enjoy a lot. So mm. yeah, it's just good to realize what, what, what what it entails. It's not only roasting, it's also the business and marketing and everything else. Yeah, definitely. Got inspired? I love Danielle's story and there will be more. Similarly as we did it with Benjamin, I asked Danielle your questions and the answers will be the next episode. 
If you feel like asking a question from one of our future guests, join coffees.me Facebook group. The easiest way to do so is to go to coffees.me website and click community on top menu. If at the beginning of the show you wondered what was I blabbing about the New Year's goal and you were not listening to a previous episode, then let me tell you about my quest. I decided to reward myself with a professional espresso equipment if I get at least 50 iTunes reviews by end of this year. Nice, you might think, but what is in it for me? Well, one of you will get rewarded with a coffeecourses.com membership, which is worth $600, three coffees from Green Plantation, my Slovak business, value here is priceless, and one mystery coffee. About that mystery coffee, I cupped it, and it was pre- I was pretty happy with it. This coffee will be the coffee I will use for my next venture here in United States. No worries, I'll tell you everything very soon, and I want to build this company in a very transparent way, so you can learn from our achievements and also from our mistakes. Thank you for listening and talk to you soon. Bye.